As a player, I always got my freaking ass kicked in Tampa. If there were no statistics on the board, guys would play a lot better. So now that we've uh, thoroughly depressed you guys. 30 minutes later, it is completely butchered. That just went completely over my head. Welcome to episode 8 of Digging In with JP and Sevia. I'm your host, Nick Ashbourne. We're here with JP in the studio again, where we have that concern where, you know, we don't want to give away the magic exactly when this was recorded, but it's quite close in proximity to the other podcast. So there's always that worry if you, you know, hang out with someone and you have nothing left to say because you've already gone over all the stories. No, we much. can talk. I feel like me and you can go back and forth uh, depending on if it's baseball or motherly conversations <laughs> or whatever it may be. I think that we have the relationship that we can talk about a lot of things. And also, I feel like the good part is we're going to have something to combat about. I mean, we're usually, we're usually pretty cordial, but I think that we, we also are going to have our, our differences. And then I'm going to get mad at you when you bring up one of my bad stats. And then uh, so we'll continue to fight about it. Well, I appreciate your optimism. I'm not going to make the same mistake I did last time, which was forgetting to tell everyone who the guest was until about 15 minutes in the podcast. Our guest today is Randall Grichuk, a guy who's been absolutely hammering the ball lately. We talked about a lot last time on the podcast, so we're going to get to talk to him about the changes he's making, how he's coming around, and hopefully we can get him going a little bit on uh, his various hairstylings because I think that's an under-the-radar aspect of what he's got going out there on the field. Dude, there's so many when you play so many games too, right? Like there's there's things of entertainment. That's how you kind of entertain yourself is you'll see like guys do different facial hair, different haircuts. Or sometimes it's actually meaningful in the sense of superstitious, right? Like I got this haircut. I'm going with this haircut cuz I got a few hits. So, it'll be fun to have the conversations with him and then talk about, you know, the adjustments that he's making because I do think that he's a guy who's going to be around for a while and who's going to be very successful. Yeah, and you know, in, in baseball, you wear the same thing every day, so it only makes sense that you're going to want to... Like we talked about on episode one about tailoring your uniform, how important that is because you're wearing it every day, but it's still the same thing. So you got to do some other stuff in and around it to Dude, think bring about, personality. Think, think about literally every single day being at the field because people don't realize you play 162 games in 180 days, and now I'm, I want to say that there's a few more off days that they added to the schedule, but... Every single day you're at a baseball field, you you have to do things to keep you sane. March or February, actually, pitchers and catchers. February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September. And that's if you don't make it to the postseason. You're literally on a field, in a clubhouse every single day. So you do things to like, literally, you do all crazy things. We had the Nair party. You do haircut stuff. You have to find some ways to kind of keep survive. yourself sane. Yeah, dude. You, you I mean, it. literally, the things that go on in a clubhouse, obviously, I can't talk about them, <laughs> all of them, but there's a lot of things that you have to do to stay sane. And the guy that we're going to talk about first on the show, I think, really fits that mold in terms of doing different things. We've seen it, in fact, in that same realm with hair stuff, whether it's the man bun or a little bit long out the back. Uh, we're talking about Josh Donaldson today because... I think there's a philosophical question to be asked at this point. Is, did the Blue Jays bungle the Josh Donaldson situation? Because this is a guy they got as a trade, incredible for them, MVP, led them on playoff runs, and then it became sort of clearer that the team wasn't going in the right direction and that they could get a big haul for him to help that reset, and they held on and they held on and they held on, 
And now it looks like, you know, we're at the end of this game of poker and they may have held on just a little bit too long because it's hard to say what they're going to get at the trade deadline for him at this point. Can I can I get bungle, uh, the definition of bungle? Because right now that just went completely over my head. Bungled. It's to screw up. The easiest way to remember bungles is to link it to the Cincinnati Bengals. I have a big Bengals fan in my uh, friend group. And they always call them the Cincinnati Bungles because they can't get anything right. Okay, so then, all right, now that I know that the Bungle, that's what I needed to, to, to know what that was. I, I think, listen, could they have messed up? Yeah, but you have to go, at the end of the day, what I like, I look at it the opposite way. They're trying to win, right? They kept him because they're trying to win. So I look at it in the positive side in the sense of could it backfire 100% and has it backfired and has his value probably gone down? I would say probably yes, right? But at the end of the day, that shows to the fans, and this is how I would look at it if I was a fan, I, spe- I specifically look at it like this as a, as a player, is they kept this guy around because they wanted to win. They want this, this front office, the ownership, these people, they got a taste of winning recently, right? They want to continue to win. I mean, this is, a, this is a team that is very profitable on the business side when they're winning. There's people coming to the games. They're, there's, they're in the when, three. When they're winning. Yeah, when they're winning. It's an important I, qualifier. Well, there. I understand. Actually, look at attendance this year. Yeah, which is, it's down, obviously. Yeah. But here's my thing is, is they realize what it can be, and so they're going after it. So, again, I do think it'll hurt, it'll hurt them because, obviously, right now, unless they have a remarkable like turnaround, it's not that it's done, but you, you're the two people in front of you literally look like they're just never going to look back, right? And so... For me, I look at it in the positive of I'm glad they tried to win, but now people are going to go, hey, well, we know you have to get rid of this dude, so we're maybe not going to offer as much, I think. That's how I look at it. Well, I think there's two sides to that. For one, I'm not as much worried about that side of the leverage because if there's enough teams that want them, I don't think it really matters if people know you're looking to get rid of them because you're trying to get a bidding war up. Now, are there enough people that want them right now with the injury concerns? And if you look at third base, especially in the American League, like not a lot of teams need that third baseman. Those teams like the Angels and the Mariners and the Astros, in it, those guys all have good third basemen. The Red Sox, Yankees, they have the good third basemen. But in terms of Donaldson and what you might have done with him in the past, the thing for me is last trade deadline seemed like an interesting opportunity because that was the moment where you could have said, okay, we had our runs, now it looks like this team isn't going in the right direction anymore. And they decided to double down with him, which is good. Like you said, it shows they're trying to win. And if you have a guy like Josh Donaldson, you're never totally out of it. Like this is a... Well, that's, it's, that's the difference between winning and losing. I mean, like you talk to the guys around the... I mean, the, the coaching staff knows like, listen, it's been tough. One, you lose, your, your closer's gone. Okay, so that's tough. And then you don't have your most productive player in the lineup. It's tough to win. I mean, it's a really big difference because what happens is is not having Donaldson in the lineup, at the end of the day, it hurts Justin Smoke. It hurts Kevin Pillar. It hurts everybody before and after him because of what he's able to do. So it's not just literally Josh Donaldson's production. It's Josh Donaldson's production and everybody else around him because they're going to have more prediction or production because of him. So, I mean, it's tough. And then again, last year, could they have traded him? Yeah, but if they trade him... You know what? As a player, I'm going, F you, dude. What the heck? Like, I'm trying to win and you just trade our, our best player? That's pretty much going the white flag. So I think 
you know, as a front office person, that's a really tough position to be in, right? It's easy, you know, it's easy to say like, oh, that was his value. And we could, okay, we trade him. What do we do with third base at that, at that time? You don't know. Well, 2018, I think for me, that's, again, you're right. There's more to it in terms of ownership and the messages you send and whatnot. But if I'm playing this like a computer game, I'm saying, you know, 2018 for me going in wasn't going to be the Blue Jays year. The Red Sox and the Yankees were both too good. There's only one. Yeah, but they they spot got they got better in the off season. That's how they got too good. Remember, they didn't they didn't at the deadline pick up all those guys. So well, they were pretty damn good. I mean, Stanton obviously is a huge yeah, thing but for the Yankees. They, they, they are good before that. Well, and then they got and then the Red Sox went out in the off season and got JD Martinez. So they weren't the super team that they are now at the deadline last year. Right or wrong? Sure, but I, but I still think that they were steps ahead of the Blue Jays, like pretty. I can give you that, steps. but not not to this extent. No. I, if I'm a competitor, I'm going. I still can put my chips. We had the best pitching staff in the in the American League on paper. You can't expect Stroman to be the way he started, right? To be that bad. He he's that's you can expect that. He's the ace. Jay Happ is really the only one that's been doing good. Sanchez has been up and down in the sense of his performance. Marco Estrada has been good as of late. Now we have Sam uh, Gaviglio, who's been throwing well. but And it's always hindsight, right? Like, well, at the time, you look at that pitching staff and you look at their lineup. We have Teoscar now is going to be there. All this. I, look, I look at it and said this team can compete. I, I, that's the way I looked at it. Smokey, who knows that Smokey wasn't going to hit another 40 homers, you know? So I look at it and go, this team was going to compete. And so you're, you're going to be all in. But I have something for you that I think is a little like kind of thing. I think Donaldson would be a good fit for the team that's in town. And because think about it, they're in first place. They're a lot. They're get. They're good a lot quicker than they thought they were going to be. And there's a GM who's the most aggressive GM in baseball, and Alex Antopoulos, as you saw here in Toronto. They need a third baseman. Donaldson would be huge for the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, and I think that that's a, a good example. Like, it's a surprise team, so they didn't necessarily think that they needed some amazing third baseman. They're like, oh, we'll throw some young guys out there and we'll see who sticks. And if no one sticks this year, that's okay because we're not necessarily looking to compete. Now they have a good record and they're thinking, okay, well, we need to compete. And a guy who's at that level could be a good fit. Again, what's the return going to be it's really hard there, there's the time the clock is ticking for him to get healthy again and get hitting again enough that someone really wants him because with a rental player it's all about what is this guy doing right Currently, now even yeah. if we know he's an incredible player we know there's no disagreement josh Donaldson yeah. is an incredible baseball player yes but if i'm going to trade something significant for him maybe significant part of my future I need to know he's good right now. Well, that's the thing. If he come when he comes back, if he goes off, his stock is right back to where it's always been. That's my opinion. If he comes back and he's Josh Donaldson, who goes up there and has a chance to just hit a home run every at bat and drive in however many and hit over well over three hundred, and he has a couple weeks of that stretch, I think now the value is back to where you can go. I got a big time chip here. But if he comes back and he doesn't have the success, like you said, I do think, because it is, you're right, teams need it now. What can you do for me now? We need you to help us get to the playoffs or win the playoffs. And so if he comes out and he's struggling and he's not putting up, you know, the kind of numbers 
now that's where I do you think that he's worth the same? I think that there's even some work. It does. I think it matters. Of course, if he comes back and hits a lot, that brings his value up. I think it's still really stunted because now we're looking at a 32-year-old player with recurring calf injuries. They've come back over the last two seasons multiple times. Shoulder worry about his defense. So even if he's hitting, I think it's fair for another team to look at him and say, yeah, this guy could be a big part, but is he an injury waiting to happen? Because that's what he's been the last year and a half, even though he's been, like, like last year in August and in September, incredible. Yeah, he was, off the, he was off the charts. Unbelievable. And everyone knows he can do that. But again, am I going to give up a big part of my future for a guy I'm so worried then, is going to play for two weeks and then pull up lane? So you think his, his, do you think his highest trade value was post-season last year, after the season, or was it still at the All-Star break last year? Because that's because I, I mean, that's a good philosophical question. Because right? at the deadline, there was more worries about his injuries, and he hadn't played as well yet. Nope. But always two playoff runs versus one playoff run is such a big thing. If a team thinks they're getting Donaldson for two playoff runs, I think that's still where his value is his highest. But you're right. That August and that September, that played a, that played a factor. That brought up the stock a bit. But again, two playoff runs is huge, and I think that that's the thing. I understand taking him into 2017, being like, hey, we're still this team. When it all goes wrong, I think that's when they should have reset and traded some guys. Donaldson, Steve Pierce, maybe. Well, what the maybe heck have. are you getting for Steve Pierce? Are he you was hitting me? all right. He was like a bench Dude, you're piece. Getting, you're, you're literally you're getting, getting, a lottery a player, you're getting a player to be named okay, later. I'm not, I'm not I mean, trying to say that. To you, but I'm just saying, like, these are the type of guys that they, sh- they could have been Well, moving. we could have traded J.P. Aaron Sebia. <laughs> well, dude, you're going to get a box of freaking okay, baseballs. I shouldn't have mentioned the name Steve Pierce. I'm just saying, like, those type of guys, the guys <laughs> are on contract for two years. Yeah. No, no, I hear you. But, you know, I just think they've held on too long. And, you know... Thankfully for them, Hap has been fantastic. Imagine if Hap had been poor, because then they really have nothing to sell. Well, Hap's going to be pitching in October, and he's going to be pitching for a team. I mean, I I, I hate to see it because I played with him. I love him. But I think he's the biggest chip out of all of them. Oh, yeah. You're going to get something very good for Jay Hap, but I'm sure... That's something that we're going to be discussing on a future podcast as we get closest to the trade deadline. The trade deadline is so fun because that's when we – dude, even as players, that's how we play GM. Like literally – so Elvis Andrews, I remember one year he thought he was getting traded, which we all thought was comical because they were like, dude, you're making $100 million and you hit two homers a year. Like no one's picking up that contract. But it's funny because a lot of players play the GM like – Am I going this? You saw you Darvish last year taking the picture when he, or you know, I think was it last year or year before when he was taking the picture? Or I'm still here with <laughs> Texas because he hadn't gotten traded. Like, I think it's I think it's really really fun time for players and for people to, to be able to, and fans to dissect because there's fans that are going, what prospects do we get back? And there's fans that are going, what player do we get? So it's it's a lot of fun. And I, my experience covering the Blue Jays so far, they have not been good. I started pretty much last year. So the trade deadline last year was my, that was my biggest day of the year because there's a lot of stuff to cover and like, what is, what are they getting in all these trades? And so, you know, that's a big day for us here. It's a big day for you guys there, but we're over a month away. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Okay. Let's talk about who. No, what's se- going don't on. Don't sell yet. No selling yet. Let's talk. Well, yeah, Atkins said no selling yet, but we know it's going to happen. Who's doing well right now? And that's our next guest. Randall Grichuk is on the line. All right, we're here with Randall Grichuk. And uh, 
obviously you guys know him, uh, your right fielder. Uh, it's always on there for highlights, making making some amazing plays, and uh, and also has some serious thump in his bat, and you guys have been able to see it. And I think um, you know people to understand. There's a lot of things that go in the hitting. A lot of it is more just the mental side and, and where you're at. Talk about for you. You know, we talked about it. Obviously, you're hitting fastballs, all these different things. But we had a conversation about you feeling more comfortable that one month in the big leagues when they told you, hey, just go out there and play. And I feel like the good thing is, is in Toronto, that's what you have. Uh, just talk about, one, the adjustments you've been making, and two, how great it feels to to be the guy and know that you're going to be the guy. Yeah, I mean, that definitely plays a big factor into it. Um, I don't think people would really understand how, how the mental side of it um, affects uh, players' abilities. Um, we talked about it, but, you know, my best time ever spent in the big leagues was about a month, month and a half in St. Louis in 2016, and that was after um, the manager, Mike Matheny, called me in his office and said, hey, you're going to play every day, we're going to ride you out. You know, if you look bad or you're kind of going through a little bit of a slump, know you're going to be in there the next day and just kind of go have fun. Um, and, and that turned out to be the best stretch of my career. So, um, you know, definitely coming here, you know, kind of having that same reassurance and, and, and understanding of, hey, you know, just go out there, have fun, and, and play your game. We got you for a reason. Uh, we want you out there. Um, that definitely played a factor in, the, you know, being confident and going out there and, and, and doing what I do best. Um, but, yeah, I got off to a little bit of a slow start. Um, and, uh, you know, when, when you kind of start struggling, uh, the mind starts wandering. You kind of start thinking things, changing things, doing a lot of things differently. And you just got to get back down to the basics and, and uh, trust your abilities and understand what you do best and, and, and do that. Don't try to be a different player. Um, and I think that's what I kind of did a little bit earlier on. And, um, you know, luckily now since I've been back, it's, it's been uh, more of a just go get it attitude and mentality. And, um, you know, I've been able to go out there and, and, and play my kind of game and, you know, hopefully it continues, uh, you know, for the rest of the season. Randall, one thing I think a lot of uh, Blue Jays fans have noticed about you early on is a lot of varieties in uh, hair and beard styles. And as someone who recently uh, got rid of a, quite a substantial beard myself, JP gave me a lot of uh, shit for it early on. I wanted to ask, is that something that involves a superstition for you? Or is it, you know, I want to get rolling, let's try something new. Or I see a teammate who's doing it, I want to try that. Or is it just what, which, what happened for me, which was I was looking in the mirror and I just got, you know, I got sick of uh, what I was seeing out there. <laughs> yeah, well, when it comes to the hair, uh, this is, the, the craziest haircut I've ever had, that's for sure. Um, it's not normally my style, but, uh, you know, I, I woke up one morning and just said I need to uh, change it up a little bit. I've had the same haircut for a while now and, and uh, just said, you know, let's do something different. And got a little edge, um, a little, definitely out of my comfort zone, but uh, when it comes to the facial hair, I just like kind of doing things differently. Get tired of one style and, and switch it up. Uh, might be going baby face here in a little while, so we'll see. I was doing a digging on this topic, you know, being a responsible journalist, and I came across a video of you getting interviewed coming out of AAA where uh, you had your, apparently got your hair butchered down there and you wouldn't uh, show the guy what had <laughs> happened. So if we could uh, take us through that experience a little bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I don't even remember the year. I think 2016, maybe. I got sent down to AAA and I uh, was there for like two weeks and <clears throat> got got a... They have a, a barber that comes in every day or every every Sunday to the clubhouse, and I went up to him and I asked him. He was a Latin guy, and I went up to him and asked him. I said, hey, "Can you cut you know long hair because he's been doing fades and, and stuff like that?" And uh, he said, yeah, "Yeah, I can do everything." I go, "Okay, you know, I just want to get an inch taken off everywhere, and um, you know, kind of just cleaned it up a little, clean it up a little bit." He go, "Okay, perfect, no problem." So I sit down 
and like 30 minutes later it is completely butchered it's <laughs> uneven it's um it's just not it's it's a whole different style it's not even what i had just shorter it's just a whole different haircut i was like it's gonna take months to get back but um yeah i kept a hat on for as long as i could at that point dude that's i've actually got one like that and not what i used to because everybody you go to the latin guy and that's the one question you have is you go hey dude can you cut like like white boy haircut i need a white boy hair like dude grichuk's a freaking good looking cat like you can't you can't be doing the whole all the crazy stuff that, that all the Latinos do all the time. And so I, I feel you. I've gotten I've gotten butchered just because it's like I used to literally sit on the chair and go, hey, uh, I'll take the pretty boy white white boy haircut. That's what I want. Just keep me vanilla, little scissors. Keep me looking good. Have you have you been able to find uh, obviously New York City, you know, New City, you get to, to go around. Where, where are the, the spots? We always try to hit on some food in here. What spots do you have you enjoyed food wise? What have you enjoyed about the city? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty fun city. There's a lot going on, um, uh, all the time. I feel like, and, um, I like to go get, get a, get a bite to eat and stuff. Luckily I haven't, I mean, unfortunately I haven't been here, uh, the whole season due to the injury. We got sent to Florida for a month, but, um, yeah, I really like Cactus Club. That's a pretty cool spot. Good food. Um, Earl's, I'm actually trying to figure out more good restaurants. So, I'm definitely up, open to suggestion. Hey, well, well, Nick is our our, our foodie, but I, I will tell you that we need to get you on some barbecue because there's some good. You're a Texas boy, so obviously you know good barbecue. We need there's some good oh, barbecue yeah. spots here. So yeah, we'll there's some sneaky yeah, good yeah. barbecue. Yeah. Uh, Adamson Barbecue. They're not even paying us, so that's a free recommendation. Adamson Barbecue. Uh, it's a way out of the way, okay. but it's, it's worth a look. It's Texas. It's Texas style. How's a? Here's another question. Oh, uh, How's how's uh how's your uh, relationship? I feel I feel like you and uh, Mr. Teoscar have a phenomenal relationship. How fun has it been to be able to you know <laughs> to have that relationship and 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 grow and and you know how fun is it for you? Uh it's great. You know, we kind of hit it off in spring. Um, uh, you know, he got to come up and he's been doing really well. And um, you know, we just like to have fun with each other. If it's if it's pulling your shirt out, if it's you know handing each other the glove and hat, but setting it down on the ground and making the other person bend over and get it. Or, you know, we're locker mates, so our locker's right next to each other, and, and we're constantly, you know, pushing each other. Or, you know, uh, he had his shirt off the other day and playing on cards, and so I came up behind him and had a cold water bottle and, and opened it and poured it down his back. Uh, so I kind of like to have fun and keep, keep things light. You know, those relationships don't come, come by often. So, um, you know, I'm lucky to have it. And, and uh, you know, this game's a tough, tough game and, and can – screw you up mentally so anytime you can keep light it's it definitely you need to how's your spanish uh it's not very good <laughs> what i i i know a few words that i know a few words that can get by and um get my point across but uh as, as holding a normal conversation uh that that's probably not very good all right hand signals always works one thing I wanted to ask before we let you go actually applies to both you and Teoscar Hernandez, so it ties in, is that you're one of those guys that got identified very early as this stat cast star, quote unquote, these guys who just hit the ball like the hardest, which is something we never really knew before and now we know. Is that something that like a player would care about? Is that something that's like a little bit bragging rights or is it just a, it's just like another weird stat that no one worries about? It's just for me, nerds like me only. I think it's one of those things that you, I mean, kind of bragging rights. I mean, obviously, I'm not the type of guy that's going to go and brag about it, but I think it's something that you can measure success on. Um, obviously, you can't control the outcome of where you hit the ball. So um, if you can barrel up a ball and hit it 100 miles an hour or, you know, 95 miles an hour and, um, 
it not be a hit or be a hit regardless. You know you did your job. So uh, I think over time, if you can create a high uh, exit velo um, average, then then you know you're putting together good at bats or at least finding the barrel, and that's that's what the name of the game is. Well, thank you for coming on. I I agree. Hitting the hard, the hitting the ball hard. I told Nick I don't. I wish that they didn't have the freaking averages on the board because when you're going good, you feel sexy as heck. Like you're like, damn, look at that. But I had to literally trick myself one year I was struggling going, I'm hitting three. I don't know why it says that I'm hitting a buck 70. I'm really hitting 300. And I had to do that. But it's good now that at least they can measure that and give you guys, it'll give you guys a little bit more comfort uh, about what's going on. And exactly. obviously for you, uh, you've been you've been doing that. You've been doing it hard. And you uh, continue to go out there and, and smash them heaters because you, you know what happens when that happens. Oh, yeah. That's that's very true. If there were no statistics on the board at all, guys would play a lot better. That's for sure. Batting average and statistics are, are traps. Yeah, and that's and that's why I enjoy uh, talking about it and talking with you guys because I've been there, done that, and I know how the, the head goes. So thanks for uh, coming on. We appreciate it. You're the man, and Toronto's got a, a guy that they'll be able to watch and really rally around because this guy is a, is a special player and obviously he's a he's a fun guy and a good guy so thank you i appreciate it guys thanks for having me all right have a good one randall all right y'all too so for the record i brought up uh stack has exit velocity you dismissed it outright and said it was for nerds and then and he, he gave it. a great answer about it i know which was i was fired up i was fired up about it you know i was i was I, I was so fired up about it. I just actually took off my my headphones because I was like, "You want to storm out good. of the studio?" No, because I was no, I was I. He did a great job actually about answering that, and more not only a great job, it opened my eyes in the sense of these guys actually look at that now because it. I came up in an era where none of that stuff existed, right? So if you would have told me, "Hey, do you think that that's cool?" I'm like, "No, I don't care that I hit that. I, I, I want to hit the ball hard all the time." Like I, I wouldn't have thought that that would have been of a, a point of even conversation and obviously it's holds some weight so no, i know what i was doing no it's it, it is interesting because i mean i think you know about me that i'm a huge nerd if you will well, you're not, yeah, stuff, yeah, you but, know i, I didn't know but no, but, I, no, no, I was no, messing around it's good no but like i dive really deep into stuff and i care about this stuff yeah and i think that's part of my job but if you if, when i bring that to a player it is kind of 50 50 some guys will be like I don't care about that. Like, I don't really know about that. Like, uh, whatever, it, I'm hitting it. But then some guys, they really do care about it and they are interested in it. Well, and it, I think a lot of it has to do with age, uh, obviously, because I think the older guys are like, like I, I saw a thing where Miguel Cabrera was like, I don't even know what the heck launch angle is, right? But Miguel Cabrera has been doing it for a really long time. <laughs> and then you'll have newer age guys come in and they're going to be talking about all the, the spin and this and that because that's what they've, that's what you've been taught, right? Since since you sign or whatever, or even I mean, kids have track men, all that stuff in like high school that they do these these academies and all that stuff. So I feel like more and more they're gonna talk about it and be more open to it. What I love is that you can be hitting two hundred and now there's more there's more to than just hitting two hundred because it can be like, hey, he just had an unlucky month. Like Ryan Zimmerman had a low average last year, but he had like the highest exit velocity. Well, that kind of tells you, I mean, that he was hitting the ball well. He just didn't really have any luck. So I, I think that it's a good thing that guys have that opportunity now. And there's the flip side of that too, which is guys come in and they do sort of surprisingly well. And in the old days, people might be like, oh, that, shit, that guy's part of the future. Like, look at this guy. And now today we look at him and we're like, 
you know, he's not hitting the ball hard, his approach at the plate, like he swings this percentage at balls outside the zone. You know, what he's done is he's been lucky. He's not been. So I think some guys do well. And then maybe sometimes they don't even understand. Like we had that issue with Nick Williams with the Phillies who got benched and he was like, kind of like, what the hell? I was so good like last year. And if people looked at his stats, like he really was one of those guys who got a little bit lucky and they were probably smart to not see him as an everyday guy. But he saw himself as an everyday guy because he had the good batting average and he had the RBI and he had stuff like that. And so it is interesting. It, it's going to take a while to get players on board. Well, there's well, and, and honestly, there's going to be guys that are it helps their career, and there's going to be guys that it hurts their career. I mean, that's just the honest truth of it. I mean, there's going to be guys that are sexy analytically and that are not sexy analytically, and that's, I mean, that's pretty much what they're doing is they're trying to go. How can we make the best decision for our team to win, right? And they want to go. Well, if I can quantify numbers that are going to tell me. This guy projects to be really good, or this guy is really not as good as what he's doing. Maybe we can trade him, whatever. Maybe we don't sign him to that long-term deal because we know that eventually the luck's going to run out. I mean, there's, there's now there's so much information that, again, it could be good for you because they can go out and say, hey, why did you guys trade for this guy? He was a, a platoon player. Now you guys are trying to make him your starting third baseman. And you go, well, we have the data that says if he gets every day at bats, he goes like Jose Bautista from a platoon guy to a an everyday superstar, right? Like, so I think now you're able to kind of quantify that better than you would have been able to, because before it was just the eye test. Like, I think he can play every day. Well, maybe there's, now you can back up decisions with stats. Yeah, and sometimes back in the day, a guy looked like he could. We talk about bang practice four. Looks like he's got this monster power. We, like, we say five We say five p.m. hitter is yeah. what we, we, we'll say like, oh, he's just a BP guy. Yeah, so that was a, I think that was a risk that maybe now is less of a risk, but... We're going to move on to today's memory lane. So this week on memory lane, something occurred to me when I was watching the Blue Jays in their strong bounce back series against the Washington Nationals and they swept the Orioles um, the other week. And, you know, they dug this huge hole below 500 and they kind of made this comeback. And it was a lot smaller than what I'm going to compare it to. But you experienced something that was interesting, which was that 2013 season where there's all these expectations and then they dug this huge hole and then out of nowhere comes this 11-game win streak. And I remember... Because suddenly everyone was like, oh, the real Blue Jays have arrived, even though it was like Ming Wong and, yeah, they did. and we were, we were, Rogers. Dude, we were throwing scraps <laughs> out there, too. But I, there's this huge win streak. So what I wanted to ask you is how you remember that as a team that it digs out of a hole. How does that feel? And when you get those wins strung together, like what does that do to a clubhouse? Does that just lift the weight off everyone's shoulders? Is that the big difference? Because if the Blue Jays, they haven't done something like this, if they did do something like this, then that could just change an atmosphere of a room. Well, honestly, during the, the streak, and I remember it, well, dude, it was so much fun. And it was kind of like, okay, here we go. You know, that was the, the mentality in the clubhouse. Because like you said, there was a lot of expectations, but we knew we had, you know, some injuries that kind of didn't help us. And, and so it was like, all right, this is, our, this is our time. Now we're finally playing. And so I remember it the fans started coming out more like it was like a big ordeal people you know the energy was back right and so it was 
a lot of fun and it was a lot of also the problem was is okay how long can we sustain this because as players we also knew what we were throwing out there like Ming Wong I love him but it, you know we were we as a catcher he was, I was at the end of the string yeah it was yeah point. yeah he's and and we had I think I want to say I'm trying to think about the other starters. I want to say Ramon Ortiz might have been starting in 2013. He was there at one point. I don't know if he was still there during the streak, but he okay. was definitely around. And so I'm going, you know, at the end of the day, we, we're we also pretty real about things as well. And you can kind of go, okay, what do we have? Is this sustainable? And, you know, when you're going through it, you're like, oh, okay, we're, this is it. We've taken off. I think after the streak happens, boom, you lose, right? That's the biggest thing. Can we keep it going but what we did was we got back into it because we had dug ourselves a hole and it was brutal. But we finally get there and we're like, boom. I, I want to say we got back to 500 and it was like super cool. We're okay. This is where we go. And then we didn't answer the bell after we lost. And so as soon as you kind of go after that kind of high emotion and there's a few, you know, right after is the biggest time because if we would have maybe lost a couple and then won four or then we would have been back on it. I think what happened is is we lost a few and then we continued losing. And then it's like even worse deflation, right? Because you, you, you're like, man, we worked so hard to get back to 500. And then now we're going back underneath, like at a high rate. And so then it's like, well, that was it. That was our that, only that chance. That was our counterpunch yeah, and it's it kinda, didn't land. It, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, that was our only ticket and the the train left the station, we're in yeah. trouble, you know, and that's, and that was a tough thing because, you know, we did have all these expectations and, and it wasn't fun. Losing is not fun. And then again, it was like the, the knockout punch was after that streak. We didn't really play well. And we knew that we didn't have any room to not play well. And I think that created even more pressure. And then all of a sudden that streak was here and gone. And we were right back to being not good. I think it's interesting you mention guys being realistic and whatnot because that's the again we're talking much smaller scales going on right now. When they swept the Orioles, I felt like there was this optimism that people had, you know, outside media fans, and it's like that's the Baltimore Orioles, man. Like it's the worst team a, in baseball. A sweep, you know, that's an MLB team. You know, they yeah, lie down the for you, but but like that's the Baltimore yeah. Orioles, and you're doing it at home too. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, but now they got to go to Tampa and play a real team on the road, and then they get swept. And to, be, to their credit, they bounce back from that. But I do think that sometimes when we get these huge winning streaks or these huge losing streaks, everyone is so quick to say, this team's amazing, or this team is shit. Yeah. Like, they've lost five in a row. This team is shit. Well, yeah. guess what? Really good teams lose, lose five games exactly. in a row. Everybody has the skid. Bad teams will get a streak once in a while. Maybe not the Orioles this it's, year. The biggest thing is staying away from the, the long skids. That's that, that when it comes down to it, right? You try to win. You try to not get, get swept. You try to at least win one of the, of the series. You know that you're going to get swept. But if you're going to lose a series, try to win one. And you try to stay away from the long ones. But like you said, you, they came off the Orioles. And I, it was a four-game sweep, correct? Yeah. And... I just even remember some watching some of the interviews and I didn't it wasn't like oh smack these guys are Here these guys feel it right it was like well you know yeah it was a good series and we'll see and then so you as a fan you're going cuz I'm a fan as well you go all right is this the run then they go down to Tampa and I know as a player I always got my freaking ass kicked in Tampa with Toronto so I was like well we don't play well there obviously that happens and then they so then you're like okay well that sucked 
We got swept. And that's what I'm saying. It's like after you win four like that, you have to go down there and do something. Win one, but getting swept is like kind of like this little demoralizing in the sense of after that they needed – if there was a time that they were going to get swept a month later, fine. But that's what I'm saying. We're right there. You win four in a row and you get a little bit of mojo going and then, bam, you get swept and it's like – get in your place you know where you belong kind of that's the kind of yeah. feel and then they won that team they won the game against the nationals but that's the th you know we're a realist as well i mean people think that they're hard on us we're harder on ourselves and when you sit there and we play gm which every player does and you sit there and you go all right let's go player by player because we used to do this player by player third base such and such we got such and such well they're better than us shortstop you know and we you go like position by position and you kind of just go dang i mean look at look at our starting pitching versus their starting pitching right like look at our bullpen versus their bullpen nothing that nothing against look clippers doing great axford's doing great uh tapera's done all right as a closer but i mean now go to go to new york and compare green chad green uh david robertson uh D dylan batances and our and uh, chapman now then you go, okay, championship team or a team that's struggling. And that's, that's you just got to be real with it. And I think that that's something that fans miss because whenever you hear a guy interviewed, he's obviously going to say, and Stroman is the king of this. He'll be like, we got the best lineup in the league. Our offense incredible. And, you know, I don't, you know, I got nothing against that. But, like, the reality is the demands are if you say something negative about your teammates, you're going to get roasted. You're going to get buried. If, you're, if you get asked... You know, hey, JP, how does your starting rotation match up towards the Yankees? And you're like, well, let's be real. The Yankees are better than us. Yeah. People are going to be like, wow, that guy's such an asshole. Like, yeah. he doesn't believe he's his a, teammates. He's loser mentality. So everything you hear from the Blue Jays is going to be them telling you, yeah, of course we're as good as anyone. Of course we're hot and, like, we're streaking. But that doesn't mean that that's always what is going on internally in guys' heads. Or in the conversations in the clubhouse or in the planes or at dinners because that's, you know— it, it's tough, right? We're all competitors, dude. We all want to do good. And when you sit there and you're like, okay, what? What? we, we want to win. We want to believe in it. But, I mean, we know that it's not there, right? It's like you're trying to press the gas and you, there's no there, there's no horsepower behind it. And that's and so, of course, in the media, it's going to be like, because we're competitors at the end of the day and we're, we, we're going to compete, right, like to the last day for the most part. Until it's the last game, you're going to compete and you give everything you have for the most part but when it's when it gets kind of in these situations you you especially have to be even more because what you're trying to do is almost trick yourself and trick the, you know trick everybody else because in the sense of maybe if i speak it it'll come to fruition you know what i'm saying that kind of yeah. so it's like no 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 we're we're the best no no we're gonna be good no no our defense is good no no this is a great team we're we're not out you know we're not out and then you know but after that, that's recording gets turned off and the doors close, there's a lot of small conversations between players and, and all that stuff, and you kind of see the writing on the wall. All right, so now that we've uh, thoroughly depressed you guys about uh, you know the thoughts that go on. I still and, think they can do uh, it. <laughs> JP still thinks he can do it. Let it be noted that there is a microphone and a recording on right now. Um, I want to go outside the nest today talk about non-Blue Jays things. And a thing that really stood out to me, maybe it's just me. I am a home run derby guy. I like to watch home run derby. It's kind of silly. 
it's like almost childish, but it, it does bring me back to me at 11 sitting in my friend's basement watching whoever. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, probably poo holes, I guess. Hard to do that math, but whatever it is, like I always just think it's kind of a simple joy to watch Home Run Derby. And it looks like this year they're really struggling with the name. So they've got guys like Bryce Harper hasn't even committed, even though it's in his home park. Guys like Stanton and J.D. Martinez look like they're out. Aaron Judge looks like he's potentially yeah, out. He's, he don't want to do it after that. Do you remember what happened after his home run derby last year? Well, he's one of those guys with the big uh, slump after it. So first, I want to ask you, do you believe in how real that is? And then secondly, I want to talk about should players feel like there's an obligation? Is it what should the league do to get players to do it? Because if, if, if the biggest stars aren't in it, it just feels well, hollow. Like, it's it's just like not... the dunk contest, right? If the best guys that are the dunk guy, like yeah. the big names are not in it, I mean, who wants to watch it? But it's one of the best yeah. events if you have the Vince Carters and all those You've got guys. got the right guys. Yeah. And, and I don't want to take anything away from the guys who will be in it this year. There will be some talented hitters in it. Of course. Who will be worth watching. But I want to see Stanton go up against Judge. I want to see Harper in his home park. Well, that was last year. That was the big thing, like Judge versus Stanton. Like, yeah. oh, my gosh, the Twin Towers. At that time, obviously, they weren't together. But it was like the two biggest power guys going at it. And they didn't even make it. They didn't make it to fight to hit against each other, which yeah. kind of stunk. But I, listen, I, I'm kind of torn apart. So I've done a few home run derbies in the minor leagues. And I was never good at them, but I would always be at the top of the league in, in home runs. And so, you know, I, I, well, I enjoyed doing it. I didn't buy into this was going to change my swing. I didn't buy into that stuff because think about it. We take batting practice every day, and we usually are hitting a good amount of home runs in batting practice. I just think that it's become a thing where they it's in the head now, right? Like if Like let's say if, if we never talked about – okay, slumps after, I think guys would be willing to do it all the time. But I feel like now they carry a little bit like, dude, if I struggle after this, then my fans, people are going to wear me out. Because, all right, if I'm on a winning team like the Yankees, it's all about winning, right? Like the All-Star game is great. Thank you. Home run derby. Awesome. But I play for the New York Yankees. I need to worry about the New York Yankees. And if something goes like last year, Judge goes out there, wins it, and then he struggles hard after that plays in his head, right? And so that's a tough part as a player doing it. As a competitor, I've always I would always want to do a home run derby. But I think now there's carries more weight because what happens is is now guys guys are going, Are you worried about the home run derby messing up your swing for after? Blah, blah, blah. And so you're always gonna have to answer these questions. And so if you if it does go wrong, then it goes, Well, do you regret it? Da, 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 da. And so you, you just never you can never win or lose it's not a win or losing kind of argument, right? So now, again, I want people to go out there. I want the best players to go out there because if I'm going to watch it, I want to have the best hitters. I also think some of the most power, like powerful guys are guys that we don't know about that it will give them a stage to be able to, to put on a show, right? So I think that that's, there's some coming out parties for guys that I think will grow their game and will grow the opportunity of fans to watch these guys. But... I mean, it's it's such a slippery slope. At the end of the day, where I stand is I want the best in the best. I, I think they one they should pay them for the home run derby, pay them. Like if if you want these guys to go out there, give them the money because they're gonna make a lot of money of people watching this game. And yes, they get money to go to the All Star game, but you want them in these these high events or whatever the the 
the showcase events, pay them money. And then I bet you they'll do it. And that's the thing is that MLB needs to create an incentive. Because yeah. right now, sure, you can play on guys being competitors and hope that they're out of pride they're going to want to show. Or you can pl play on guys' ego and hope that they want to be seen as stars and they think it'll be good for their brand and stuff. But it's very obvious at this point that those incentives are not enough because guys are not doing it. Yeah. So it's about creating the biggest incentive and the simplest incentive is money. It's the easiest one. Now, is there going to be enough money for all the guys to make that profitable? I don't know what, what the enough business money. plan Those is. Those guys make so much money on the, dude, think about how much the, just in TV in general, how much that they'll make on that game on, on the home run derby and the, and the fans going so that they, them paying them is definitely they have the money to pay them i'll i mean i'll assume that's right but as a journalist it's my job to not you know overtly say things that i do not know no i just don't know how that business plan works i'm just not going to claim to know that but i think money is the simplest incentive there is i think it's very likely they have enough money so maybe that it's just an easy answer there let's up the amount of money and get these people there. Cause I do think it's a really fun event, even for people who aren't the hardcore baseball fans who know the back of every baseball card. I, it's just something I've always loved. So it, it definitely makes me sad to see it wither a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, it's sad because it's one of the coolest events. I watched it as a kid. Again, I wanted to be a part of it. I remember also the slam dunk contest and watching the Vince Carters and all these guys get after it. And I remember them, me going, getting a piece of paper and going, oh, this, who are these guys that are in the slam dunk contest? Why do I want to watch this? And you don't watch it. I mean, you're just, as a fan, it kind of is not, it's not fun. So I hope, I hope that these guys do it. I hope Harper does it at home, but it's tough, man. These, you're not, these guys are going to say, well, why, what, what do I get out of it? You know, that it's a business. And so these guys are also scared of at the end, they struggle after a home run derby and then they're the ones that have to eat crow because everyone's like, well, you know, you did the home run derby and, you know, you know, it could have hurt their swing and now the team's suffering. There's a lot of different things that could bounce back negative than more positive. I also wouldn't be surprised if there's a sneaky bit of worry about being embarrassed for some of the highest level guys. Like if you're Stanton and you go out there and you hit like one dinger and get, oh, no, there's get definitely. 10 outs. And there's yeah, definitely living up to you because I, I when I was in home run derbies, uh, I both times I was leading the league in home runs in the both leagues that I did the home run derby. And I hit one home run on both home run derby. And I just and I was like, dang it. What the heck? Like people I remember, especially because people probably don't know. Right. Like if they if they're attending a double A, triple A home run derby, they don't really know the people that well. So they probably just see on the video yeah, board. J.P. and Sebia. 24 home, runs, home yeah. runs at the All-Star break. Dude, at the PCL, All-Star break, I had 25 homers. We took batting practice, and all the, the players were like, you're going to, this is it, you're going to kill us, blah, blah, blah. And then I literally hit one. And it was like, I mean, it is what it is, right? Like, this, you, you do, you want to perform well. And, I mean, I don't know if that's going to keep somebody away, but you, there's definitely the pressure of going, I need, I have all these home runs. I need to, just because, like, think about Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts had an answer about him hitting in the home run derby and he goes i can't hit home runs in bp which is also true for some guys some guys are just home run hitters in games and can't do it in batting practice yeah i think people definitely underestimate how i mean obviously those two things are different but how some guys 
And it goes the other way too. Some guys have massive power and BP and it never, never shows in games. Exactly. And that's one of the big issues scouts have is they go and they see a guy and they're like, oh man, this guy's going to crush balls. And it never comes around. Mm -hmm. So these are very different things. There's a lot of factors in play. Um, but yeah, maybe the answer is as simple as paying the guys. So we are going to finish off as we always do. JP Career Trivia took a bit of a hit. Last week went two for five on the pitchers who would hit you. I'm hitting 400. That's pretty good. So, well, uh, yeah, you're at 11 for 21 right now. So you're over what I'd consider to be. We're, this is an academic pursuit, not an athletic pursuit. So you're, you're passing, but it's close. Well, again, C's get degrees. <laughs> it's not a C anymore. It's a D. It's a D. Yeah. Um, in high school, I think you can get by with, uh, with D's get career, degrees. With the uh, 52 or whatever this is. Okay, this one... We've talked a lot on the show before about do players think X is real? Like I'll say, I'll bring up something like, is that something players think about? Like we talked about Fenway Park and the Red Sox. Like, is that something that actually gets in your head or is it just a stat on a page? And you brought up all those, um, you know, the boards and the stadium and how it would affect you and whatnot. So this is something in that vein. We're talking about times of year, and we're talking about your best, your best and worst months as a hitter. Because I know some guys get that feeling that they're really slow starters, or they come on at the end, or when it gets hot, that's when they get hot. So I wanted to ask you. We're gonna do it by you could pretty you could do it by anything, but we'll do it by OPS because that's a nice uh, general offensive stat. So it's a two question. What is your best and your worst offensive month? I want to say player? June 2012. No, overall. It's like your career. Like in your career, what month is best to you? June, like not a specific season. Oh, what, oh, what, oh okay. What so, month no, do you okay. hit best in as Gosh. in your MLB career and worst in? I would say, I would still say, it's, it's, I mean, I can't say June or July. So I would say June would be my best year or my best month. And I would say May would probably be my worst month. May as your worst month, June as your best month. You are incredibly wrong. Am I incredibly Unbelievably wrong? Unbelievably wrong. Oh, for two, because June is your worst month. Is and it? And it's like by far. Oh, is it? So this is your stats in June, hitting 175. That's good. On base of 228. Well, that's sl normal. Slugging 323 with uh, only eight home runs. Just brutal in June. So well, that's crazy because then here's here's crazy. Just to, um, I'll let you get to your other thing, but June 2012, I hit 320, I think that month, with six home runs in that month. So literally, that that's why that, that I thought that, <laughs> that was, and obviously that's the only month in my entire career that I did good. Yeah. Okay, so now June what's my June was best? hard to you. The best month was July, so the next month. Uh, so I was going to ask you about the heat, and especially, I guess, when you played in Texas, because that's something they talk about a lot, the heat in Texas. Anyway, batting 248, respectable, on base 300, and slugging a mighty 512 in the month of July, in the dog days of the season. Dude, I, I should sign. Uh, can I sign? Yeah, right now you need July? to start making some calls. That's you know what I knew it was I knew it was in the middle of the season is kind of when I started going good. That's why I was saying June or July, but um that's weird because you I feel like I was always a slow starter except for 2013 I started really hot and then I fell off. Um but not see you don't you don't really know. I know specific months of spe of specific seasons that I did well. 
But you never, those are things that you would never, those are things as players would never, would. I, if you ask anybody what's their best month, I would have, I would pay a lot of money to say that no one knows what their best month is. I would say that people, Kevin Pillar has got to know it's April. Well, like, yeah. The guy's been but, getting off to massive starts. Also, I think Unless for sure. it's a starter finish. Guys, guys would know for sure their worst months. And I would say a lot of guys it's going to say, I mean, remember uh, LaRoche. LaRoche was like always like starting off hitting 070 the first month. And then once he got hot, it was like insane. But there, there's certain guys that I would say you would know more when you're not good. Or if you're a sort of hot starter or a guy who comes on. Like Frank Thomas was another great example, and he was the Blue Jays. And he always used to kind of say, like, you need to give me 200 at-bats, and then you won't see, like, until you see what I could do. Oh, so if, is that was, oh, is that what he used to say? So, like, the first season, he, he came in, his first however many at-bats were brutal, and then and everyone's like, oh, God, why did they go and get Frank Thomas? This guy's done. And then after that, he came on, and he was awesome until the rest of the year. So the end of his year, his season, his stats weren't maybe as great as they'd been, yeah. but they, he showed how good he was. And then the next year started, he got off to a horrible start, and then they cut him, and he was like, what the hell, man? Like, this is what happens. I get off to a brutal start, and then I get going. And then I think you end up signing with Oakland and doing okay after that. So there are those guys who feel like they need X amount to get into the season. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it was all different. It was based on spring training, right? There's some. I remember my first big league camp as a starter, like opening up, so 2011. That spring training, I hit terrible, like awful. And then they're like, oh, are you ready for the big leagues? Are you sure? The last game, I think I went three for four or whatever, and I hit two home runs, right? And I was like, I'm good. I knew it right there, bam. And then opening day, I hit two home runs, Was had a huge opening day that 2011. And so there's been times also at the at, that I'll start off hot in spring and then I'll cool off and then I'm like, oh, crap, or I'm going into the season not feeling good. It's Sometimes it clicks earlier, sometimes it clicks later. Guys that are slow starters will start earlier in the offseason, like hitting – I honestly think that it it's year to year with guys. Some guys obviously are so good that they just they're just naturally gifted. They just wake up and they rake. Like it's just I'm jealous of those guys. Manny Machado wakes up and just rakes. Like it's in his DNA. But a lot of people it takes time. A lot of people it takes at bats. And like maybe Frank knows again that was like his his honey hole, right? Like if I have 200 at bats, this is, once I get there, I'm good. But I do believe that for most people that are normal and not like the one of one of Mike Trouts and all those guys, you need a good amount of at-bats. And that is something uh, we saw we saw with our guest today, Randall Gritchuk. Tough start to the year, and now here we go. So that is it for Episode 8 of Digging with JPR and Sevia. I hope you enjoyed it this week, next week, and into the future. You can find us on iTunes and a variety of other podcast platforms, not all of which... I have time to list or you have time to listen to, but please tune in for more next week.